Last week, um, the first thing we looked at when we talked about what it means to become a living sacrifice, we discussed the idea of what it is that we are supposed to offer. And through the various passages we looked at, we determined that we need to offer every bit of ourselves. 100% of ourselves is supposed to be committed to God. Uh, when you offered a sacrifice in the Old Testament, the animal had to die. It had to be completely killed and completely offered to God. So when Paul uses this idea of being a living sacrifice, he's telling us that we need to take every ounce within us and give it to the Lord. You can't hold back anything, not 99.9%, 100%, and that's what we're to offer. Uh, this morning we're going to look at what we're supposed to avoid, but before we get there, let's go ahead and read Romans 12, 1 through 2 again. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Like I said last week, we looked at what we are to offer. This morning, we're going to look at what we are to avoid. And then next week, as we finish up, we're going to look at what we are to achieve. The question this morning is, what are we supposed to be avoiding? What are we staying away from if we're truly living sacrifices? And the answer is worldly contamination, the things of this world. The idea of being conformed is actually means to be poured into a mold. And I think I have a picture up there of of wax or plastic, I'm not 100% sure what it is, being poured into a mold. And the idea, Paul says, is we're not supposed to be poured into the mold of this world and made to look like what this world looks like. We are to be conformed to what God expects for us. And that's what verse 2 says again, and I'm going to read that again. It says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. In 1 Peter 1.14, and we just went through 1 Peter on Wednesday night, Peter says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. The writers of the New Testament make it, make it very clear that the world has an idea of what we're supposed to look like, how we're supposed to think, the things we're supposed to say. And truthfully, sometimes it's confusing because sometimes the things the world offers look good on the outside. Sometimes it's confusing because the things that the world have to offer, if we're honest, look good to us. But Paul and Peter in his letter make it very clear that the path that the world presents before us leads to death. In a few minutes, we're going to look at Psalm 1. And if you spend any time around me, you'll discover that Psalm 1 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it basically presents the entire summation of the Bible. You only have two choices. That may seem oversimplified, but it's the fact. You can choose to follow God. And this is harsh, I understand, and some people don't like this. But if you choose to not 100% follow God, then you are following something else, and that only leaves you one alternative. You can conform to this world, and Scripture says that Satan is the ruler of this world temporarily. That he... In affects this world with his, his lies and his deceit. And we can choose to either be a part of that and fit into that, or we can choose to be completely different, made to look like the image of Christ and be completely, 100% focused on Him. And it's difficult. 
But we'll talk in just a moment about how we can achieve that. I've got a picture up there. Perhaps you have heard this fable. There's an old fable that says, if you take a frog and throw him in a pot of boiling water, what will he do? He'll immediately jump out. He'll jump right out. But the fable goes, and, and just so you know, I did the research. Science has proved this is not true. It's a fable. It's an urban legend. But the fable goes like this. If you take a frog and put it in a pot of cold water and put it over fire and slowly increase the heat, that eventually the frog will get used to it and you can crank the heat up little by little by little until you can actually cook the frog alive. Now, once again, scientists, and I think those MythBuster guys, prove this is not true. But the analogy is very true when we're talking about our spiritual lives. Most of us don't wake up and say, I think I'm going to go out and just sin all I can today. There, there probably are people who do that. But I'd be willing to guess that the majority of us in here don't wake up in the morning thinking of ways we can sin. Thinking of how we can offend God. That's probably not what we think of. But, like the fable, like the urban legend about the frog, when we expose ourselves to sin in small increments, a little bit here, a little bit there, what it does is it desensitizes us. We get so accustomed to this little thing right here, and we know it's wrong, but it's not that bad. It's not as bad as some other things. So we'll tolerate this little bit right here. And what happens is you come to accept it. You come to get used to it. You become desensitized to the point where, oh, that's not bad at all. And then what that does is it opens up the door for something else. And then that will open up the door to something else. And like our mythical frog, the sin keeps getting cranked up little by little. If you would just jack it up really high and just get a flame, the frog would jump out. When we're walking along in our lives and we're taking in these things in little bits and it doesn't seem that big of a deal, if you would throw something big at you, you would probably go, hold on, that's too much. I'm not going to do that. But I have seen in my own life, so I'm speaking from experience that when you allow sin in your life, even little bits, even sin that doesn't seem like it's that bad, that the more you let in, you just open the door. And you open it wider and wider and wider until finally you don't recognize yourself. You have gone from following God to looking like the world. The question I want to remind us again, and we, we mentioned this last week, why do we offer ourselves as living sacrifices? Why is it important? Well, Paul says, in view of God's mercy, because of what God has done for us, and what did He do for us? He sent Jesus to the cross. Keeping that in mind, that's why we offer 100%. Keeping that in mind, that's why when we're going through this world, we don't have anything to do with sin. And that brings us to Psalm number 1, if you want to turn to that. Like I said, Psalm number 1 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's pretty blatant. It's pretty obvious. It's black and white. It's common sense. And we live in a world where there's not a lot of black and white. People try to make things gray. People try to hide the true meaning. People try to soft-pedal sin. And some people flat out just say that things that Scripture condemns are not sinful at all. And some of those people are so-called Christians. 
But the writer of Psalm 1 makes it very clear that we only have two choices. I have taught this in vacation Bible schools. I have taught it at Christian camp. I've preached sermons on it. I've taught devotions on it. I just did a devotion on it the other night on Facebook. Because this is a passage that if you're not familiar with, you really need to familiarize yourself with it. It sets the whole tone for the book of Psalms. Everything that follows in the book of Psalms points back to this one psalm. And I would actually say everything in Scripture is summed up in this psalm. So I'm going to read it. I'm reading from the CSB version, so it may sound a little different if you're used to it in the King James or the NIV. But it starts out, how happy is the one? And that's the word blessed in English that we've been, we looked at through our study through the Beatitudes. But how happy is the one or how fortunate is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. How instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And then it goes on to say the wicked are not like this. They're like chaff that the wind blows Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And then it closes, says, The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked leads to ruin. I've already shared this with this congregation before, but I think it bears repeating, especially in light of Romans chapter 12. You probably see that there's a progression there in those early verses. It starts out talking about those walking in a certain manner or in a certain pathway. And if you walk along those pathways, if you walk through the world and you just take it all in, and if you remember I shared the illustration of Christmas shopping or shopping and looking through the windows. When we walk through this world and let it influence the way we think, it may not seem like that big of a deal. It terrifies me, and my children are almost grown, but they think differently than I did when I was their age because they are being influenced by something different than what I was being influenced when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, or even 24. The world has such a strong hold on people. If I wasn't using it to record this morning, I would pick up my phone and hold it up and say, this is part of the problem, social media entertainment, things that were taboo or outright sinful when I was growing up are normalized now. It's no big deal. Some of them are actually glorified and held up and said, this is the way you should live. And those of us who are trying to live a godly life, we look at that and it blows our minds. It amazes me the things that are celebrated in our society. The things that society not only says is okay, but says you need to be more like this. You need to think more like this. And all you have to do is turn on the news or get on Facebook or any other social media outlet. And you see that the world has a very specific pattern. It has a mold. It may not look like it because basically the world says you can do whatever you want. It feels good. But it is a mold. It is a pattern. The pattern is, is worship yourself first. If it feels good for you, you can do it. If 
it makes you happy, don't worry about what others tell you. Just do whatever it is, and that's the mold that the world presents to us. And so many people, many of them who call themselves Christians, are willing to be poured into that mold. And like I said, I don't believe it happens overnight. But little by little, and just so you know, I'm stepping on my own toes here this morning. So this isn't personal. This isn't directed at you. I haven't been sneaking around looking at what you watch or what you listen to. This is to me, and hopefully it applies to you too. You ask, well, how do we let it in little by little? What kind of music do you listen to? That may not seem like such a big deal. It was never really a big deal to me growing up. If I liked the way it sounded, I listened to it. And I used to use the excuse, well, I don't even know what the words say. And in some cases, that's true. Some of the music I listened to was so crazy, you couldn't tell what the words were. But that was my excuse. Well, I like the way it sounds. It doesn't matter what they're saying. But I'm 50 years old now, and I'm ashamed to admit it. But at 50, I can remember lyrics, complete lyrics of songs I haven't heard since I was 14, 15, 16 years old. Haven't listened to them in years, but I know every single word. So my argument back then was, well, I'm not really listening to the words was not true. Because I consumed it over and over and over again. And your brain is like a computer. It remembers, scientists say, it remembers everything you've ever seen, smelled, heard, experienced, even before you were born. Now, you can't access it at all times. There's a lot of our brain that we just can't access. But it amazes me. How often I may be riding along the car or just sitting around and all of a sudden something will pop in my mind that I haven't thought about in years, decades. The lyrics to a song. Because I let it in little by little. What do we read? I used to like to read Stephen King books when I was growing up. Started reading when I was 13 or 14 years old. Read a bunch of them. And even though I haven't picked one up, in a long time, I can still recall scenes and things from these books or the movies or television shows. And they are forever burned into my subconscious. And it's amazing the times those things pop up, even when you're not thinking about it. So as one who used to say, that stuff doesn't matter, let me stand here and tell you now that yes, it does. When you say, well, I can watch this or I can listen to this and it doesn't affect me. I'm standing here telling you this morning from experience that, yes, it does. If nothing else, it desensitizes us to violence and vulgar language and sexuality. The only video game I had when I was growing up was an Atari. and They were just little square colors of nothing. And video games now look real. And I hear my kids and I hear other Friends, children say, they're just video games. It's just a movie. It's just a TV show. And those were the excuses I used when I was a teenager. And I know that those things negatively affected me. And I grew up in church my whole life. So I can only imagine those who don't have that background, what these things can do to them. And it's easy not to get caught up in it as we walk through this world. But the second part of the Psalm 1 says, those who walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners. And like I shared in another sermon, that's when you just stop and take it all in. It's one thing to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and avoid it. 
and be affected by it, but it's another thing to stop and take it in. There are a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies, a lot of music that I really, really liked, and I stopped and I soaked it in, and like I said, that stuff is in there. I can't get it out. But as you stop and you start to soak in and absorb what the world is telling you, I think if we do what Paul says, keep this in mind, Christ hanging on the cross. That's why we're to keep walking. That's why we don't stop and stand there and soak it all in. When I do premarital counseling, one of the first questions I ask a couple, are they both believers? They don't like hearing that. A lot of them don't like it. In fact, I had a couple basically get up and walk out because I refused to marry them because one was not a Christian. But I've heard it before. I've seen it in, with friends. Well, I'll change them after I get married or I'll change her after I get married. And that is possible. But so often it works the other way around. I've got a lot of really good friends that are still here in North Carolina. And since I've moved back, I've communicated with them. But I'm real careful, even though I love these people a lot. I remember when I used to hang out with them, and some of them are not Christians, and they're still doing the same things that they were doing 30 years ago. And it's not that I don't love them. It's not that I don't wish the best for them. And it's not that we don't have memories. But I know that some of them, if I were to start spending a lot of time with them, hanging around at their house, I know what could happen because I've seen it happen before. When we left Bible college in 1995, the first time we went, we were only there a year. And we moved right back to where we were. I went back to the same job I had and we started hanging out with the same people. And within a couple of years, I was acting the exact same way. So when I stand up here and tell you this, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not just making things up. We have to be careful about the influences, even if they're friends. It's bad enough we have to walk through this world and be bombarded with all this stuff. We don't need to stop and take part in it. And the last part of that psalm says, sit down with them. I have known friends, former classmates from Bible college that are no longer believers. They proclaim to be Christians. Some of them were training for ministry and now they do not proclaim to have faith in Christ for various reasons. Some of them were hurt some of them were burned by situations, but a lot of them just went back to doing the same things. And I'm standing here telling you this morning from experience because I was there. It's a lot easier than it sounds. You may think, well, I'll never do that, Lee, but I promise you, you can ask my wife when we left Bible college in 1995, we had some issues. We were upset. Our feelings had gotten hurt. But it was never my intention to go back to where we were from and jump right back into all the mess that we left. But isn't that exactly what happened? In fact, I would argue I was probably worse off afterwards. So we need to be on guard. We need to be careful about the things we listen to. And I know you may be saying, well, it's just a song. And this is hard for me because I love music. You, you guys know I love music. I listen to a lot of music. But I have to be honest, and when I'm listening to that song, no matter how good it sounds, I need to ask myself, what is it glorifying? What is it talking about? When I'm watching that television show, and I like to watch TV, I like to watch movies, I like to read, 
I have to ask myself, is this really something that I want to watch? I'll confess it was a lot easier when our children were younger. When our kids were young, we just avoided stuff because they were little and we didn't want them being exposed to that stuff. But my kids are pretty much grown. And it's hard sometimes. And maybe it's hard for you. Maybe this doesn't affect you the way it does some people. But sometimes it's just hard to intentionally, and that's what it takes, is to intentionally avoid things, even if they're entertaining, even if they're fun. But the writer of Psalms says we have to avoid that. And the writer of Psalms gives us the remedy. It says the path of life is found in God's Word. We need to meditate on God's Word. It says day and night. We need to be in God's Word. Paul in Romans, when he's talking about not being conformed, it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a daily thing. It doesn't happen one time. You don't just wake up and your mind's been completely changed and you never deal with this again. But it's a daily thing. Our minds are transformed, first of all, because we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. When we're watching that television show or we're getting ready to tell that joke or whatever it is that, it is that you struggle with, the Holy Spirit steps up and says, hold on. Think about what you're getting ready to say. Think about what you're getting ready to do. Think about what it is that you're opening yourself up to. And the Holy Spirit will always convict you. The challenge is, is to listen. Because we don't always listen. We don't always follow the conviction. But the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, not only does He point out our sins and convicts us, He gives us the power to overcome. The power of Almighty God. The God that said, let there be light. And it just was. That's the power that is inside each and every believer. When we are studying His Word, when we're meditating on His Word, in the video the other night that I did from Psalm 1, from the message, it says, when we're chewing on God's Word, when we're consuming it and it becomes part of us, the Holy Spirit is right there with us, pointing things out, showing us things in Scripture, illuminating it for us so we understand Paul, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, says, when you're tempted, remember this, and I'm paraphrasing. This is the Lee paraphrase. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. And He always gives us a way out. The Holy Spirit is there speaking to us, convicting us. God's Word is there to speak to us and convict us. Our brothers and sisters are here to speak to us and to help us. I admit it's a lot easier to stand up here and say it than it is to do it. I'm living proof. But I also know that God is faithful. God is good. Psalm 1611 says this, You, God, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. That's a good reason to walk in the path of the righteous. Is because of what is at the end. 
And we know what is at the end for those who are faithful, for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that shouldn't be the main reason. That's a good reason. Well, I want to follow Christ. I want to live this way because paradise. Jesus is going to come back. But the main reason in Paul, and I'm going to say it again, in view of God's mercy. We don't obey God to please Him, although He is pleased, but that's not the reason we obey. We don't obey God to check off a checklist and get all the right points. We obey God out of love. And the reason we love Him John says it's because he first loved us. To sum up last week and this week real quick as we finish this morning, God wants 100% of you. And like I said, I'm not saying you can't enjoy entertainment, but you need to discern. Is this something I should watch? Is this something I should participate in? Is this something that I really want to spend time because let's just be honest. The world tries to say that they have the only way. But Jesus says He is the only way. If you like to watch movies, if you like to watch television shows, if you like to listen to music, that's fine. But there are alternatives and there are options. Even if you like crazy loud music like I do, there's Christian crazy loud music. Even if you like hip-hop and rap, there's that stuff too. You do not have to go along with what the world teaches you. There's good Christian television content. You may have to search for it. There are good Christian movies and good Christian books. You do not have to consume what the world is selling you. Scripture says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to what? Death, destruction. The reason it's so easy to fall into the world's mold is because it is so vast. It says you can be anything. You can look like anything you want. You can act any way you want. But our challenge is to be remade in the image of Christ and to walk in His footsteps. That's my challenge every day, and that's your challenge too. Let's pray.